1: Welcome to Dugout Study Hall, a remedial course in baseball stats and proud member of the List Podcast Network. I'm your host and expert layman Matt Goodwin, and I am joined, as always, by your fake baseball economist, Alexander Chase. On this episode, we hang out with Taylor Case, senior writer for the Dynasty Guru, co-host of the podcast Join the Ranks, and lifelong San Diego Padres fan. We'll chat about some of the younger players to make opening day rosters, the usefulness of tools and stats with prospects, and the best way to separate the signal from the noise when it comes to minor league talent. But before we get to all of that, Taylor, how you doing?
2: Good, guys. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's nice to be here. It's always nice to talk baseball.
1: It's been a long time coming. I know we've been talking for a long time about having you on, so I f- I feel very bad about that. And uh, this is like a. A nice therapeutic moment. So weight off my shoulders that, that we're, we're finally getting yawn.
3: Uh, Alexander, how are things in D.C.? I did pretty well today. Um, it's one of those like stop caring about the weather for one second, please. Sorts of weeks because it's going to rain through like opening weekend here in D.C. And I'm really mm-hmm. worried that I don't actually get to see Max Scherger's first start back in D.C. Um, or anyone's. So we'll we'll see. You might not um, see
1: his for a different reason
3: yeah yeah yeah
1: wah wah sorry debbie downer early on in in the episode um all right taylor again thank you so much for being here uh talk to us about uh what you do where you where people can find you all that stuff and i could i could tell everybody but i think uh everybody would probably rather hear you tell it
2: yeah um i'm a podcaster and writer over at the dynasty guru tdg uh, we're doing a couple pod, or I'm doing a couple podcasts right now after Keaton and Shelly and Jake and Pat and Jordan stepped down. It's, uh, we're doing dynasty's child, uh, with, um, with Kyle and with Sean, uh, Lozier. Uh, so that's going really well. I'm doing uh join the ranks podcast with Joe and, uh, just writing every once in a while whenever I have time in between, uh, holding the, holding the kiddos and taking them to school and working yeah. and staying alive and stuff. Uh. That's that's uh, that's pretty much it right now.
1: How did you come into all of this? I, I always the origin stories are always fascinating to me. You know,
2: I it was before. It might have even been before. Geez, the 2019 season, right before. I think I had emailed the Dynasty Guru because I was looking for like different outlets just to kind of bring some more baseball into my life, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't hear back for like nine or 10 months. I think they had gotten everybody in they needed for a ranking season and such. So like maybe, yeah, maybe even closer to a year. And I finally heard back. Um, it was it's from Keaton DeRocher, uh, when they needed more people again for new ranking seasons or the new season to come around before 2020 and, uh, send in my, my, uh, application and was lucky enough to get in. And just, we've just been kind of building from there. Uh, I think I, the podcast, like it was just kind of like a call for podcasting. It was kind of in the like the like the beginning of the baseball or fantasy baseball like podcasting boom. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> we kind of sent it out to everybody. It was like, hey, does anybody have any ideas? And I said, well, why don't we why don't we do like a ranking rankings podcast? We can have other people come on and we can all get on there and debate rankings and such because that's the, one of the big things that TDG does is like the top fifty, top hundred, top two hundred, and then the right. top five hundreds. Uh, you know, dynasty rankings. So that one has been really great. Uh, yeah, that's how, That's kind of how I got started. I mean, like, just right place at the right time, and um, it was randomly. You know, it, it was kind of like a uh, that. That sounds good. Yeah have you met Have you met Joe? Let's do a podcast You can do a podcast with Joe. I've never <laughs> met Joe. I had no idea who Joe was, but uh, luckily, uh, it's all it, it's gone. It's gone really well. It's gone really well. And and yeah, it sure has. Like the TDG crew is just fan is fantastic. Everybody over there is great. So very lucky.
1: Yeah, it it sounds very similar to to how we uh we got put together and paired up, and we had Nick Pollock, you know, Captain Pitcher List himself, on uh for our fiftieth episode a few weeks back, and we had to ask him what our origin story was because. We didn't really know anything more than, hey, you two should do this podcast and go figure it out. So, um, yeah, it was when they were launching the network, a whole bunch of, you know, let's get some ideas together and and we'll pair some people up and see what happens. And here we are, 50, episode 53, episode 53 for us. Wow. Um, Not to make that about us. That really sounds very, very self-centered to ask you a question and then. Follow up with well. Now let's talk about me. Uh. Uh, and speaking of which, Alexander, you look like you'd like to say something.
3: Well, I'm just saying this is how every good arranged marriage, you know, turns out. <laughs> yeah, if it right. turns out well, you know, you can't wait to tell other people about it. Um,
1: so. Yeah, I'm still waiting for my dowry, though, Alexander. <laughs> We're gonna have to get that taken care of. Yeah, um, you guys, give me a shipping
3: like, address. I'll, guys... <laughs> I'll send it for some cattle.
2: <laughs> you guys should be proud of this, though. I mean, 50 episodes of of, of this, like. I know because I have now produced and worked on three to four and it on a couple more at, at this point. It's a lot of work. So you guys... Yeah be happy or I'll, I'll let you i mean if you guys want to talk longer about how awesome this podcast is go ahead that's a, i'm fine <laughs> with that i get
1: it <laughs> now it's we're we're really not toot our own horn kind of people it just maybe sometimes sounds like it uh it i mean it is i, I think one of the things that people don't realize and and i mentioned this uh i forget who we we're, were talking to uh, but how much of this industry is made up of people who are doing this in their, their spare time, their extra time. You know, we're recording this at 9 PM on a Tuesday. Um, we've <laughs> two of us have, have little babies, you know, like it, and that's our choice. And I'm not looking for sympathy, uh, for that, but I think that lost in the shuffle of a lot of this stuff that goes on, um, is the fact that people are really taking their own time and, and just how long it takes to, to make an hour long episode of a podcast. Uh, but again, after I said, I don't toot my own horn here, I am doing it again. Let's talk about some baseball <laughs> stuff. Um, we have a segment here called, I know novel idea, right? Baseball? Alexander's making faces at me for those of you listening. And once again, the visual cues on our, on our uh, audio podcast, um, we have a segment we call pass fail and I'm stretching it a little bit. This is really going to be more of a buy sell. Um, but we do have a theme to stick with. So it's pass fail buy sell, whatever you want to say, um, I want to get some immediate reactions from the two of you about some, uh, some players who are breaking camp with their big league teams. It seems like there's a lot more of that this year. Um, I'm not sure if there's a business of baseball reason or if people are just so onto it. I can't imagine that t- the clubs are like, well, this is not financially beneficial for us, but everybody knows what we're doing. Like we haven't for the last whatever number of years, but um, I want to talk specifically about a few players who are definitely breaking camp with their teams and um what you kind of expect or I just I guess just reactions, takes uh on this. So the first one, let's talk a little bit about Julio Rodriguez. And I guess what I'm what I'm getting at here with this segment is are we buying or selling that they are going to be the hype that that's on them? Or are they going to be uh, Kelnick who's needed some time and is probably going to come into his own or Adele who has needed some time and is probably going to come into his own. So, uh, um, is Julio Rodriguez going to come in and, and be the, the league leader in a, in a category? Is he going to be this monster or is he going to need an adjustment period? Uh, and, and what leads you to kind of believe that? So I'll start with you, Taylor. Uh, what are your thoughts here on, uh, on Julio?
2: Uh, well, I don't want to, I hate to start out in, in kind of a downer way, but I, and it, it's evidenced by, you know, just if you look at all my leagues that are, that I have uh, kind of populated on RotoWire, I, I don't roster any of these guys, uh, partially because you have to take them so early in, in dynasty mm-hmm. drafts and even in a lot of redraft leagues as well. And uh, I just, I'm, I'm at a point where I, I think it's safer um, you know, I could joke about, you know, it's safe for my, for my mental health. Uh, it, it's just safer for your, <laughs> safer for your, your fantasy teams and your dynasty teams, uh, more, more for your, you know, redraft single league teams to just not be that, I mean, be hopeful, right. Be, you know, yeah. these, all these guys have plenty of upside. It's so cool. Um, but I do my best to kind of separate the like, watching baseball part of it and the fantasy baseball part of it. And the reason I don't have them on any of my teams is that. I it's it's so hard to expect so much. Like there's such a difference between even triple A, you know, the the highest level in the minors and the major leagues. Um that you know, if you're looking at certain projections for somebody like Julio, you know, some of some of them have him going, you know, hit, hitting low 20s home runs and stealing 20 bags. I'd be you gotta be happy with half of that. You gotta be happy with him hitting yeah. 260 and Double digit steals and homers, you know, and 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 then and then if he's lucky because he's in a, in a nice spot in the in the lineup because he's on a heater or something like that hits, you know, drives in 150 runs in RBIs. You got, I I think you're better off. I think you're better off kind of tempering expectations for all of these guys. I think I would think of all the, of all the people of all these you know uh, guys we're going to talk about here: Julio, Julio uh, Rodriguez, uh, Spencer Torkelson, and Josh Lau. No. Josh Lowe. I just screwed,
1: I, the, I screwed it up. We talked it's about okay. it right already. I, I do it to myself all the time. I God, think myself Josh out of Lowe. it. I have the right answer. I talk myself into the wrong one, no matter what. No matter what the right answer is, I always Stupid. talk myself out of it. Josh Lowe.
3: It it makes for a really great, like, write it down joke where you're like, right, Low and Lowe, Lau, LLC. <laughs> and then just whenever someone else says it out loud, you say no the other way around. The other yeah. around. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah uh, it's just Brandon Lau. He's the weird one. Uh, Brandon Lau.
1: Yeah, Josh let's do Lowe. that. Let's call him weird for pronouncing his name the way that he's been taught to pronounce his name. That's what we're yeah, go. yeah, I will. Come on, Brandon. Um, so somebody actually uh, tweeted tweeted me today about uh, Rodriguez, and not that's not okay. why I put him on this rundown. He was already on it. Um, but my response was very much the same. Love, love him but really needs to temper my expectations for this year. And I went and kind of looked at his projections and they're really in line with what you're talking about there, Taylor, like a, you know, two sixty ish and, and double digits. And, you know, if, if you were to take the name away from that and just kind of plug it into where that should go in, in terms of ADP, I think you're going to see that be a much lower place than where the name is getting him to go. So um, I think with, with these players and, and Alexander, then I want to hear what you have to say too. Um, I think we are talking about range of outcomes here, right? So if you are drafting this player at a certain place, what's more likely that they're going to hit their ceiling or that they're going to fall to their floor. And I think with young guys, you really have to expect middle to low on that. Uh, And then anything else is, is like gravy or icing, whatever metaphor you'd like to use um alexander where are you on
3: julio rodriguez i i think i'm letting myself be really excited because i happen to get him at a really good discount in the one league that i have a share of him uh i do want to say that like that sort of thing where you didn't have to reach for someone and then everyone else started reaching for him after the fact makes it a whole lot easier to kind of like be excited <laughs> because like you don't have to worry if it doesn't pan out he was picked 330 for me in like the DC Earth League DARF, uh, which is just insane. That was the, I did like a dynasty startup draft, but like in redraft and it's kind of maybe okay because everyone slipped. Um, And like, so I have all of the kids, but like 50 picks below ADP, it felt like. And I feel really good about that for my enjoying baseball side of things, because I I think that um, the coverage we're going to see of a lot of these guys is going to be just endless this year. Baseball needs a storyline so bad right now after this rough offseason. And uh, I'm very happy that it seems like a couple teams are obliging us that. Um, That said, if you're looking to go look at people's age-adjusted performances in the minors, like, you're not buying Julio for what he could be. You're also buying the idea that his production will translate. There have been some issues, I know, if you're like the sort of person who wants to do Davenport translations or whatever your version of that is that's maybe more fantasy-specific. Like, AAA pitching was, um, well, you saw who was pitching in the major leagues last year. Imagine the guys who were, like, healthy and just a level below that. That's what AAA hitters were facing. So, like, whatever is worse than what teams were trotting out there in mid-July. So, (laughs) AAA stats are misleading. Julio was in AA. So you don't have to worry about that stuff being messy. And across that and high A, uh, he managed to hit a total of I can do math here. Uh, thirteen home runs, he had twenty one steals, and that was in um, like three hundred and forty PA's. So thirteen homers in like a half season. Let's call it forty, like a forty percent, or not a forty percent, or like eighty percent more. Um, if we're doubling it up to six hundred, you know, call it fall off. That's the sort of thing where you could see like twenty home runs. It's a sort of thing where you could see 20 to 30 steals if he's got a green light. And the only thing that you have to worry about then is just like, well, what if he doesn't adjust? His profile doesn't look that sort of way. If you're going to like go and like think about the guys that typically scare you, you know, it's like the aggressive, but it's been working out sort of approaches. So. He's the sort of guy where everything's kind of happened the way that I'm going to allow myself to listen to people who want to tell me I should be excited. I will very much be watching, though, to see if, like, a 14% walk rate sticks. Like That's probably not going to happen.
1: Yeah, right, right. Well, I I think, again, with, with him, I firmly believe that he will be an excellent Major League Baseball player. I'm just not sure it's going to happen in the first three months of this season. So what do you do with that? And that that's where I think it becomes tough. How long do you hold? When do you cut all of that? Uh, Taylor, I want to come back to you to talk a little bit more specifically about, about Spencer Torkelson, Um, different kind of player, different organization. Um, I'm a little surprised, I guess, that he's breaking camp with the big league club only because it seems like he's the kind of guy that suddenly needs to work on his defense at the beginning of the year. And a few weeks into the season is, is good enough to come up. And um, I, I'm very excited about this. Uh, I think this is one of those storylines that Alexander was talking about that could really be very, very interesting. So where, where are you at with uh, with Torque? I
2: I love Spencer Tokelson,
1: <laughs> if I'm being <laughs> totally honest.
2: I think I uh, he's a top, I mean, dynasty player. He's a top 50 player. I do a top 500 OBP list. You know, just incredible homer upside. Just, in, you know, a, a very solidly built, a very solid hitter with uh, encouraging walk to strikeout. Rates, which is kind of a big thing that I'm always, uh, that I'm paying attention to when I'm looking at these guys before they come up. Again, right now, um, if we're talking like scale of one to ten, if I'm if I'm convinced that he's going to be good right away, I'd say Jul- Julio somewhere between a seven and an eight, and a is tor- more like six to seven, just a notch just a notch below that. I think Julio probably has a better spot in the lineup. Um, mm-hmm. And and Torkelson's probably a little bit on the back third, would would be my guess, especially after them trading for uh, who was it? They just got uh, Austin Austin Meadows, so a little bit a little bit murky there, right? Guys get hurt, guys you know, COVID's still a thing, so COVID is happening as well, and and got, he could he could move up, uh, but yeah, just a touch, in my opinion, just a touch below Julio as far as immediate impact on your teams in a couple of years. He could easily be, you know, the same level, in my opinion, around the same level or, or just below Julio still uh, immediate impact. though was a little bit lower.
3: Mm. Do either of y'all like watch college baseball, pay attention to college baseball like regularly enough to like have been aware of what he was doing in college? I feel like I don't. So the fact that I was like is surprising. But believe. Like, <laughs> like did, were y'all aware of what he was doing to like college baseball in like 2018 and 2019
1: I'm talking about like the, really 600, the, fact the 600 the 600 hype in the the pick yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah uh
3: 2020 he did not have that many pas at uh, 82 pas before then kind of got shut down but yeah he was rocking a 598 uh obp that season maybe that doesn't stick if the quality of competition uh <laughs> catches up i'm sure the off maybe. season or like the early season is not all that <laughs> strong um but yeah i mean he was hit 25 homers and then 23 homers in two years in college um so when you say homer upside yeah it's 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 right there in front of us like all along he hit 30 home runs last season across all levels of minors like that is a very enticing prospect but i keep hearing though from people and like, when people like, bring up his name in like sort of redraft context it's continuously it's like is he gonna pull the ball enough to like survive comerica and that's a uh, an interesting thing we like the most seasoned and ready college hitting prospect in forever might then uh face the biggest obstacle left how big the field is in Detroit um so <laughs> i do think that as we kind of like grade people it it's very easy to just forget that like you know uh, the realities of where you play and all that are going to matter um so i'm also interested in like where he's been slotting into those tigers lineups uh he hasn't been like gonna hit third or fourth so far from the lineups right remember like Kelnick came up and hit third in his first game like that's not apparently going to happen because they're you know, doing things like trading for Austin Meadows Where did that yeah yeah so, I,
0: <laughs> yeah. so come from?
3: <laughs> I think that for both of them I do I think the trends have been like they're not going to be a cleanup hitter uh, this weekend or anything like that which is um, a nice like reality check for a lot of this as well uh but i gotta say like we're talking about some people who are not just tools you guys that could put it all together later that are fun to think about Like, the the results are there and i think that's that that's a big driving part of this though right like i'm sh- I i want to like kind of flip this into like a broader conversation because i'm curious then taylor like how much of what you care about tends to be like results driven versus look at these things a guy is capable of in two years uh, based off of physical tools like do you like which camp of those do you find yourself agreeing with or caring about more uh if i had to pick
2: um it would have to be it would have to be results because tools are great right I'm not a, I'm not a scout though. Like I don't have eyes on most of these people, right? I have to rely on other reports, uh, specifically, you know, prospects live does, does really great work. And I read a lot of their stuff. Um, but, but like tools don't win you, your, your leagues, um, tools don't, (laughs) don't, don't hit home runs. You know what I mean? So, the stat, you know, the, your your fan fan graphs or your Baseball Reference, your your stat line that that's obviously you know going to be more important to me in in certain contexts, right? Like you, certain you know context is is everything um, when they're called up and when they're in, they're playing down in the minor leagues as well, right? Like certain things like the, the weird stolen base rules or pickoff rules mm-hmm, down in, mm-hmm. in the lower minors this year, right? So you got to take that with a grain of salt. But yeah, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna if I had to pick one, yeah, it would be it would be results. And we we actually chatted about this a little earlier before you had even come on. Like, I don't even like the reason I don't draft all these guys either is that I'm, I'm much more comfortable at least in a dynasty setting, picking guys who have stat lines, you know, a a, a large, you know, sample size of major league stat lines to pull from. Mm -hmm. And then speculating on other later guys later in the draft, like away from the Julio Spencer's uh, lows, (laughs) Uh, even, even, you know, like Abrams, like big, you know, hit guys, hit tool guys that that I really like. And that that could build some muscle and build into some power, you know, and I think it's important to go after those guys, but, you know, I'm much more fond of, or, or, uh, likely to go after somebody like a Felix Valerio or a, a Joey Weimer or somebody like that, that you can, you can draft in, you know, 20 rounds beyond where you have to draft these other guys, because, like I said, the Homer's are the theoretical tools, right? While I trust these reports, you know, uh, especially from you know certain like you know, people like Ken Balderson uh, and other guy, other prospect guys at TDG, they do they do great work. That's just you know, it, it's just it's not there. Those guys aren't you know, we don't play minor league fantasy baseball, and it's not a knock on any of these guys, <laughs> but 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 we don't. You know, it's I, uh, yeah. You know, I, I root from a, these guys funny, from yeah. afar. You know, yeah, yeah. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad we don't do that, right? Because, I, you know, we shouldn't be, like, I don't know. There's something, there's something weird about, um, like, you know, those, like, not betting, but, like, kind of playing around with, you know. I mean, a lot of them are kids. Right. So it, it's, that's a little weird. But, no, I'm, I'm much more likely to draft somebody like Andrew McCutcheon to be honest, than, than any of these guys we've already named, right? The guy who, who has 12 years of stat lines to pull from 12 years of baseline to pull from, um, even though the upside might be so much higher from some of these guys, right? In five years, McCutcheon may not be playing and Julio could be the best player in baseball. I've talked about this uh, just on a pod last week. I'm a boring, I'm a boring fantasy player. I just don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't speculate. I don't speculate like that.
1: Well, I think that goes back to what I was talking about before with range of outcomes. If you have a smaller range of outcome, you, you're, you know what you're betting on more so, and you can value that more appropriately. So I can decide where McCutcheon makes sense for me to draft him because I have a much better sense of what I'm going to be getting from him at. At this stage, you know, like you said, there's a there's a lot of data there. So Alexander jumped the gun a little bit and kind of pushed us into what is our numbers of the week segment, which is really just talking about what do we use to try and understand the kids before they come up, Um, whether you're necessarily drafting them. Certainly, you're you're looking at them and understanding them. And we we know that minor league data is certainly less publicly available than than uh, major league data. And so there's a lot more of that kind of gut feel or the reading the scouting reports or looking at the tools. Um, you you're saying that you definitely uh, rely more on that performance than the necessarily the tool. But as these these guys come up, so as Julio Rodriguez is getting major league at bats and we're getting major league data on him, what are the the first places you're going to go on his fan graphs page a few weeks in, a month in? halfway through the season to see if it lines up with what he's supposed to be.
2: Uh it's pretty simple for me. It's uh walk to strikeout rates. Uh so BBK, you know BB over mm-hmm. K. Uh is it uh you know is is a walk rate, you know, even a, you know somewhere in the 7 to 10 range, that's fantastic. You know somebody to have that kind of eye right right away in the major leagues. It's tough to do. Uh, Even, you know, seasoned veterans, you know, <laughs> uh yeah. find it hard to take walks sometimes, you know, there's a certain amount of patience and you can, imma- I can imagine, we can all imagine a certain kind of like uh, energy and enthusiasm that must come along with being a major leaguer. Um, I'm much more impressed by a guy who is called upon and then can still manage to be uh, even if it's, even just it's a shadow or like a faint shadow, like still kind of hold on to the same kind of stat line profile that they had in the minor leagues. If all of a sudden strikeouts are up, you know, or you can, or, or if you're watching them and they're, they're, they're swinging out of their butts, you know, you like, that's, that's not good, right? You got it. Yeah. And it's not their fault, right? It's not like, and it's not, it's not a, like a true indictment of anybody it doesn't mean it's going to last, but, um, Guys come up and they push, you know, they want to be, mm-hmm. you know, every, everybody wants to be Tatis um, and take the league by storm. Right. And right. so it wouldn't surprise me if these guys come up and and are like that, especially two teams like the Tigers. Um, you got like, again, team context, right? Like the Tigers and the Mariners who are kind of, who are starting to like lift off a little bit out of the, out of the mud. You know, everybody wants to be that guy to kind of put the team on their back and carry them to, you know, carry him to glory. Right. It's not easy to do though. So, but if a guy can remain patient, you know, can hit some, hit some bombs, if Julio can steal some bases and, uh, that, that to me is, you know, if I had to lump it into one small thing, that's, that's going to be the biggest thing for me.
1: All right, Alexander, I'm going to tie together the last player that we didn't talk about in our pass fail by sell segment. With this numbers of the week and tell me what you're going to be looking for from Josh Lowe in the first month of the season uh, as we're getting information. What is it that you're going to be looking for to try and gauge uh, if he's successful, whether it's sustainable or if he's struggling, whether there's some sort of flaw or if it's just the way things are?
3: Um, I think I'll probably say every week for the rest of the season that, you know, choices are sticky. Um, I'm really going to be interested to see over the first month how much things like swing rates are going to wobble around for him and a lot of other people. Uh, Lau, more so than the other guys we talked about, does have a little bit of strikeout risk um, and I think that puts him, especially on a raised team where there's a lot of people who are pretty good defenders um, at risk of like some platoon issues and I think for people, like for for our like immediate case, I think we have to care a little bit about like, is he putting it all together well enough to play enough that we should care about it? Uh, because I think he's going to be good. It just might take some more adjustment, um, to find that balance of strikeout versus all of the other good stuff we're hoping for. Uh, strikeout rates become pretty normal, pretty quick on average. They do wobble pretty wildly though, for a lot of people who are debut, um, I think Andrew Vaughn was sporting like a mid high 20s strikeout rate for his first minute in the (laughs) big leagues and then kind of just settled in and had like suddenly a 15% strikeout rate um, for like the second half of the season. Um, Kelnick last year had his swing rates wobble all over the place and his strikeout rates go all over the place. These are because of choices as much as they are because of skills. And when you talk about like people's headspace, that's definitely part of it. So I'm very curious to see how many of those things are. Relatively stable, and that's kind of like a. I just want to do that before I look at anything else. Just to know if I can trust the numbers are like still relevant and applicable. Uh, beyond that, you know, it's like same thing. I'm, I'm going to care about is the strikeout rate good? Is the walkout rate? Is the walk rate good? Walkout rate. Walkout rate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, and then I'm going to look at hard contact rate because that's that's what I do. uh But like kind of in that order. uh I'm not going to care about barrels. Um, I will pay attention to the weird things like sweet spot and line drive rate and all that, mostly just to know how much noise I have to care about. Um, But yeah, like, please, 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 please don't think that someone's like going to be a dude, you know, like in the best way, because he has like some really good luck just knocking the ball over the second baseman's head, like is suddenly sporting a 350 batting average after two weeks. We or gotta,
1: a 33% line drive rate. We know how you feel about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like,
3: <laughs> when you can visualize it that way, like, it's, I think it's really important to put, like, a a sight in your mind uh, to, like, why someone isn't as good, maybe, as you think they are. If if people could just do that every time, they would. They can't, and right, they right, don't. Right. So, yeah, I I am less into uh low as, like, a prospect than I think a lot of, people are i his ranks are like all over the place relatively speaking some people are like yes this dude's gonna rock and some people are like hey defense is part of the reason he's valuable and you shouldn't be freaking out and spending all of your uh fad money so i'm i don't, I don't have any shares of him um and i think that's mostly just uh raise fears i'll be honest but uh i'm very curious and i'd love to be wrong
1: I, I want to hear more about your walk to out ratio that you're creating uh here on the fly. That's <laughs> gonna take the industry by storm. Um we walk-to-out are going to walk out ratio,
3: I should note. What? That's BB <laughs> per nine. Right. Uh, that does exist. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> um I, I still
1: want the t shirt that has your face on it. That's the the walk out rate. Um we are going to get into the crux of the episode, which is trying to separate signal from noise as it pertains to Dynasty. And, and, you know, one of the things that we mentioned before we started recording is that a lot of Dynasty coverage is so focused on these young players. Uh, but when you play in Dynasty Leagues, you roster the McCutcheons of the world as well. So uh, talking about signal and noise and all of that. But before we get to it, we're going to take a very small break. And we're back. So Taylor, here we go. Dynasty leagues. Um, first of all, I want to ask this. You said that you had gotten into doing all of this, uh, this season prior to uh, COVID. Is that, is that, uh, do I have my timeline correct there? Or was the, the short it, season actually, your first season? I
2: think, yeah, I think my first season with TDG was the shortened season. So that was kind of a, that was kind of a buzzkill, but
1: Hey, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, sure. right, all of us, right? <laughs> Nothing we, yeah. any of us, could do. <laughs> yeah,
3: that was that was my first year with Picture List. and yeah. uh, it's it's funny. Like, I put out some pieces in like early March, and I was doing some spring training coverage. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so uh, fun. How much all that helped out? Yeah. Well, well like, that my was question,
1: tough. I guess, is is a little blown out of the water then, but I'm still going to ask it because I'm sure there's an angle here. But like, what has it been like to try and be somebody who's learning about and reporting on minor league players over these last couple of seasons where the minor leagues have been kind of weird? Um, I, I do you do you anticipate this year being easier, better? Was last year obviously the in 2020 they weren't playing games, right? So there wasn't that mm-hmm. much coming out. Like how how, how much of an impact did these COVID years have on trying to understand and be informed about this, this stuff that matters to all of us dynasty players? Jeez, how did it, I mean, it impacted everything.
2: I mean, you had to, and I'm not a guy that like, I don't have sources, you know, like, like I said, I'm not a scout, you know, I don't, I don't have eyes on the alternate camps. Right. You know, I I have a particular style of, playing dynasty baseball and, and redraft redraft leagues. Like I've said that I, you know, I'm not really like necessarily needing that kind of info all the time. Uh, you know, I, I rely heavily on other, on other sources for it when I, when I can get it, how did it, I mean, but yeah, the only answer there is that it, it affected everything. It, it, it was brutal. I mean, and we got to try to remember too, you know, that, everybody is still kind of everybody is still going through this especially minor leaguers right. who we've learned a lot about in the last couple of years uh, as fans or i would imagine a lot of people have learned a lot more about are struggling with other things aside from uh covid and not having games um but you know like you know get, getting paid and having a place having yeah. places to live and stuff like that so i um yeah, it, it was tough and because, you know, a lot of the content we do, you know, or a lot of the writers at T D G are, are, you know, using their eyes to, you know, or like M I L M you know, minor league T V and stuff like that. And I was able right. last year and this year I'll do the same. I'll I'll be able to watch a ton of games and I go up to you know, I'm gonna be able to go up to some storm games up in Lake Elsinore. Uh, which, which is great. That's that's the best you can do if you can ever find your way to you know. I can't encourage every every listener enough. If, like if you can go and support minor league baseball, you know, even if you just like going to watch games. But if you like to go and you know, like do your own little you know armchair scouting as as a mm-hmm. dynasty player or a fantasy player, go get your eyes and so. But yes, yeah, support it because you know, as MLB has shown they can, they can remove things or things can shut down or can be shut down with impunity at any, in any moment. So yeah, it, 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 it was brutal to not have any games to pull from, not have any stat lines to pull from. And I, and I say that, you know, lightly, cause it was much worse for everybody that was involved, all the teams, all the sure, all, everybody sure. that, you know, it didn't acquire any of that revenue from games and such, and, you know, nearby business and stuff and the actual players, it's just, it sucked.
1: Yeah, bad all around for sure. Uh, Alexander, when you are deciding what round is the appropriate round to pull the trigger on these kids, you were talking about your uh, your earth draft there. You wound up with a lot of them because they fell. What information are you using to to decide what is an appropriate time and place to, to pull the
3: trigger? So I, I think one of the important things I should say in that is that I'm kind of just basing it all off of the crowd, and then a little bit more doubt uh, in some of these cases. Uh, for example, um, what does the algorithm
1: look like? Uh, crowd basically plus doubt equals Alexander.
3: ADP <laughs> plus twenty five. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm like half kidding, uh, but like, it, what what better can you do in some of these cases? Like the amount of information that we have on some of these kids who have really like let's say exploded on the alt site came up in like high a and then double a we've got a season for some of these people of like data on them and you know like especially if if they've made some like really serious changes we don't know what necessarily what the before and after is like we don't have as clear a picture of how well these people can adapt to like having a hard time we haven't witnessed some of these players struggle yet and i think that's one of the things that typically tends to breed confidence watching someone uh struggle at a level make a swing change make an approach change and get better on the fly really makes i think a lot of the scouting people like not just like dynasty ranker people but like trevor Hooth, but like we're not making fun of him uh for being our favorite guy to make fun of i love you trevor i hope you're listening to this um you know like people who are out there and doing the work and saying like look at this beautiful swing it's really really simple and repeatable Stuff that I can't do. Um, like, they are—they don't have all this information. That, like, I have to trust them, right? So, we're kind of flying blind in these interesting ways. Like, for example, I'm willing to pick... I was definitely willing to pick Julio Rodriguez in the 300s of ADP because, well, in that case, the alternative is mostly people who are just a little bit better than average. If right. you drop him, who cares? Uh, the thing that can be scary is often more like you're playing that 10 or 12 team not that crazy deep sort of situation where rostering and playing someone who's not that good like really actively hurts you because the replacement level is so high i think in those ones it's kind of just me getting caught up in the moment a lot whenever i do end up picking a lot of guys that i uh you know maybe have some doubts will be that much more valuable than uh, for example like tommy fam like tommy fam could go 2020 this year uh he's not a threat to be drafted within the first three to five rounds like bobby witt jr and julio rodriguez are um like he could put up an identical stat line to them this year like very easily um and like i think the reality is i'm gonna dra- grab fam in every league i have like people like alex wood in every league for a reason they're boring enough to be on my team and be happy about it. So I think the lack that it's not technical, that we don't know things, is probably the first thing we have to acknowledge here. I I think we're all on the same page. Um, I just happen to trust the computers quite a bit. And that means I don't trust the bad X because uh, for, for prospects, for prospects in particular, because it doesn't have the data it wants, but Steamer tends to be pretty okay. Davenport translations tend to give a pretty clear picture. The computers are smarter than we are.
1: (laughs) Yeah. All right, Taylor. I'm going to put this this last question to you in theory, and then we're going to talk about some actual players in terms of dynasty, and not just the kids. Um, but is understanding prospects more of a science or is it more of an art? Well, it
2: it's going to be. A, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> there, there's the, there's <laughs> your answer. To that uh, it's it's both, right? Just like with you know any prediction you make or any sort of analysis you make, I think in fantasy baseball, for me, I joked about this when we did a bold prediction article the other day. Uh, But it's actually kind of true all the time. Like I'm like 60% stats, like 30% like the mood I'm in uh, or like how, (laughs) like where's my mental health at? And 10% like, just because I've got like a gut feeling about something, you know, I don't know, like some, some, some guys that are, that are super good. Like obviously the guys that are in the top 10 prospects, right. Those guys are, are heavily scouted. And, and in in general, I would think you can um, you know, you can generally rely on them to be uh, average to above average to elite players. Right. But, but further down for me, at least, right. You know, I, this is something I'd like to get better at, um, at kind of my, Scouting, you know, combined, you know, like feel mm-hmm. versus stats versus everything else, context, because uh, that's that keeps getting brought up. Um, but I don't know that that it's tough and it's different because there are a hundred different factors with with each player, and COVID and uh, just kind of the state of baseball and people being brought up and sent down and new situations and a lot of trades and and like there's just been like a flurry of activity. Uh, all of a sudden, again, it's 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 really very hard to know. It's very yeah. hard to know. So it's it's going to be a healthy mix
1: of both, you know. And I, I yeah. imagine it'll stay that way. I feel like the the answer most people in the industry would give for the major league guys is much healthier helping of science with the numbers and the maths and all of the, those things. Um, and I feel as though the the less um, the smaller the sample size you have at the major league level, the more that art really does creep in. Uh, but I'm not doing this work, so I, I certainly didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to lead you to a conclusion <laughs> or an answer. Uh, but I think it's <laughs> fair to say that's a really hard question, and here's why it's hard, and and that's kind of underscores the work that's being done and and how challenging it is to put together a top 500 list of. Uh, dynasty ranks and there are a number of places that do it and probably struggle in in the same ways to try and and what's the difference between player 400 and player 450 and for that matter what's the difference between player 330 and 500 Um, you know the the nuance there feels like 150 picks but it's not the same between one and 150 so um, I think it's a totally fair answer
2: well that's where I think a lot of like when you're doing a list like that you know because TDG, you know, pumps out a lot of those and I'm a, I'm strongly of the opinion that really with the whole list, but especially with, you know, like picks 100 through 500, like there's, there's an art to that. There's a feel to it because like, if you want a top 500 list, that's just stats and science, like you can just, you can just check the projections for that. You know what I mean? Like, you don't, you don't need me. You know, but I feel like I've done a pretty good job of, of winning my leagues over the last, you know, half dozen years and um, bring a certain feel to it. And this is not to just, de- you know, defend my list, but I think in, in that aspect, you know, or in that regard, you know, there is a little bit of feel to it. And that, and that provides good, healthy discussion as well, right? Like if we all just right. went off the numbers, then there would be no discussion and, and no podcasts and uh, yeah, it wouldn't be any fun. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. All right, let's talk about some guys. Um, and you, you kind of have some that you've populated in here. If you've been inspired to go off the, the list that we have on our rundown that, that you put in there, you're welcome to do so. But um, especially in the context of Dynasty, because the value for this year is not the only factor, right? And how much Do you, do you uh, put into the value of some of these guys based on how long they might be in the league, what they might be worth in three years or or four years or five years? Um, Does year four matter as much as year five or as much as year two? Um, Or does, do you really just want to look at what's the best team I can put together for this year? And then kind of like Alexander's algorithm before, instead of, Uh, minus or plus for, for, you know, where they're going ADP it's age becomes kind of the tiebreaker or um, you know, it bumps things 10% this way, 15% that way. So go ahead, pick a guy and and talk about the kind of what is different about that guy in terms of uh, just a redraft league versus a dynasty situation.
2: Well, I'm going to start with Trent Grisham because I've been a big Trent Grisham guy ever since, uh, actually he, he came over to the Padres and obviously I get to watch him more. That's my, uh, that's my team. That's my local team. Uh, my Bally sports Padres team. (laughs) Um, and, uh, so I, 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 in that same bold prediction article, I think, or I made, uh, the prediction that I believe it was that he goes 30, 20 this year, that he kind of, he kind of finds the the sauce that he had in 2020 and, and really gets after it. Um, my reasons for that are, are, well, there, there are a few of them, right? So from 2020 to 2021, there are a couple fluctuations except for, you know, except mostly in the right direction, in in my opinion, like the, his average came down, Babu came down a little bit with it, um, You know, in 2020, he had he had 10 homers and 10 steals, which put him on an incredible pace, right? I think the year before, you know, in between uh, lower level or like double A, triple A, and the majors, I think it was 2019 when he came up with the uh, for the Brewers. I think he had over 30 home runs that year. So, and, and last year he did, he did really well as well It's fifteen fifteen thirteen 15, 13 with a, a 10% walk rate. He actually lowered his strikeout rate as well. I think the problem where he kind of went off the rails is kind of, um, kind of the same for the entire Padres team, which could be the case, which could happen again this year. I'm fully ready to admit that that could happen again this year, but, uh, it, it's playing time and it's, it, there was kind of a weird vibe about this team after, the trade deadline, when there was that weird that weird scramble, and they thought they were going to get Trey Turner and Scherzer, and then they were going to make this trade, and the Dodgers got him, and they were going to make that other trade, and the guy went somewhere else. Uh, that team stunk after that, and I think you know watching them play, right? And I think you can learn a lot from actually sitting down. You know, I've watched a whole lot of spring training. I wish I'd been able to watch more spring training, but like in actual game, actual major league games, if you're sitting down and watching. Body language, the way guys are walking up to the plate, the way they're taking pitches, um, it sucked. Like the, the whole yeah. the whole vibe on that team was was bad, and he didn't play as much, and he got pushed down the lineup. That is not the that that at least to start the first couple months. That's not going to be the case for Trent Grisham. To for for me, he seems to be. Um, I mean, I think he's a locked in leadoff hitter. Tatis is hurt for a couple months. He can get on base, right? If he's leading off, getting on base, the opportunity for steals are there. He's fast enough to steal. Uh, he's yeah. crafty enough to do it. Um, he's probably my biggest. You know, if we're gonna if we're gonna plant flags anywhere, he's the guy I have on eight teams, over half of my teams. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So if he if it doesn't work out, then that one's that one's gonna hurt, right? My redraft leagues, right? You could draft. You could have drafted him. You know, a couple months ago, very late in the in the two hundreds or so. You know, because there people were reacting to how you know, poorly, I say, quote unquote, poorly, you know, last season went because it actually was still pretty good. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, he's my, he's probably my biggest one for this year. I'm, I'm riding. He's my ride or die this year.
3: Um, I, I'm going to try to shake your confidence here and oh, I he don't does. want you to take it personally. Cool. I'd like to no, please come no. on our
1: podcast so that we can, you know, uh, be unkind to your takes. No, no, no. no. Is... <laughs> Joe does this to
2: me all the time on on, on the other podcast. No, no worries. Cool. It's okay, it's all it's all with a good heart.
3: <laughs> I really, actually, do want to believe in Grisham, and I like a lot of the things in his profile in terms of like the it's called like like the floor of what he is. Um, okay. I really like guys who can walk ten percent of the time, and he sure will. Uh, Strikeout so rate right, dipped a little bit last year, down uh, from like yeah, like you said, 25, 26, down to twenty two. Point six, i guess like 23 so i went down a little bit um the hard contact did not follow in that same direction he lost a little bit of his like really great 2020 season and the thing in particular i wanted to pay attention to that concerned me um is in 2020 his sweet spot rate was uh was like five percent above the Lee average and sure. that doesn't stick and it didn't stick and he came back to about normal um A thing that I watch, it doesn't always work out this way, but it is something I pay attention to. If someone's doing better than we would anticipate in terms of squaring the ball up, line drives, sweet spot contact, etc., they typically end up with a slightly higher number of hard hit balls as a result because they're just squaring up more pitches than you'd expect. Right? Mm -hmm. They get a little bit more behind, a few more of them. So I don't know if that's one thing to care about or they're but you know you you see how like the the actual versus expected results each year have kind of like wobbled i worry i worry that um he had one small sample of like a hot streak he's fallen back to earth and the thing that actually makes me think i can believe that he wouldn't be this good is that some of the kind of like we're trying it out trying to figure out if we can like measure bat speed Mm -hmm. has him as like a bottom 10th percentile in bat speed Sort of really guy. and there's some people who survive that way jose altuve does um for example interesting uh, but the bottom chunk in bat speed is just uh, a, a place where hopes have gone to die for people <laughs> who are fast okay. uh so um i don't That's know a whole lot about downer about it or anything yeah uh, <laughs> it, it, let me just say hyperbole fast bad it's down there um (laughs) so i'm really interested to see if grisham can like continue his ability to like pull his harder hit stuff he had a good number of pulled home runs and some pulled doubles that could have been home runs as well so i want to think that his floor is very high we sought uh and i think that's like the thing that you've kind of pointed out is he was pretty good and he can be better uh i just want to say like those are some things i've seen uh that i'm interested to watch this year, maybe some of his lingering issues with injuries might have been the reason the bat speed was down. Maybe it isn't. Right, right. We'll yep. see. We'll see. Yep.
2: Well, that that's well, that's there. You know, you can't take away the injuries, right? Um, you right. Know, it could it could happen again too. So there's there's that. Right. That's all. That's good to know. That's that's interesting.
1: I uh, I will say that uh, I am very jealous of you Padres fans that you got my boy uh, uh, Orsillo <sighs> out there calling games. Uh oh, you got one of the best booths in baseball. Man, he's a I'm not allo-
2: I'm not allowed to cuss on this podcast. He he's he's a gosh darn delight is what I'm going to say about how yeah. <laughs> Losing him from Boston was
1: devastating. Really really devastating. Yeah, uh, yeah it, I've heard it's that. It's not often that um you get that attached, I guess. There's a handful of guys, right, throughout history that people have gotten really attached to in their booths, but I cannot believe they let him go. I'm still i'm very very bitter about he's a, that
2: he's a him and and mark grant him and Mug cat are just they're yeah like san Diego treasures, man I mean yeah, they it's amazing they're, they're they're the in my opinion i'm one hundred percent biased, yeah, but I don't think I'm the only one who thinks that like they are they are the cream of the crop, they are the best at like making a baseball game. Relatable to to anybody who's sitting there watching on their
1: couch. They're yeah. they're so yeah. good at it, and they're not. I mean, from the the what I've heard of the, the Padres broadcast, it's very similar. I think to the relationship that uh, Orsillo had with Jerry Remy, yeah, uh, who, who we just lost. Um, in terms of like, there would be times in the game where they they weren't really talking about the game, but it was it was better for it. You know, I just saw a clip uh, where, where uh, at some point Grant was, uh, that's his name, right? Was, yeah, was Mark Grant. The partner, yeah, Mark Grant yeah. was like grabbing a churro in the middle of a spring training game, you know, like just <laughs> cool stuff like that because it's human, it's relatable. Like you you yeah. get up and go get a snack in the middle of the game and it's yeah. not all just this buttoned up, very corporate kind of way of making baseball interesting. Anyway, so that's a huge tangent, uh, but uh, enjoy him because uh you never know when your organization's gonna make a bad choice and let oh, him go man. somewhere else
2: yeah, i feel uh,
1: I feel bad for you red sox fans,
2: man, like, yeah that, that, well, that's tough that, that's <laughs> um, tough.
1: let's switch gears here and talk about a pitcher, um, so you've got a couple here to pick from who who would you prefer to talk about
2: uh well, we can. It, that, that doesn't matter to me. Like these, the, another two guys I had tweeted out earlier today, a couple guys. Um, and I, and I think a lot of them, uh, have, have a theme, at least the starters, uh, let's go Tyler Molly and Marcus Stroman, uh, are two guys that I have rostered. And I would say, you know, 30 to 40% of my leagues. Uh, and really a big thing for me, uh, when I'm drafting in, in small leagues and points leagues and, roto categories uh whatever whatever kind of leagues uh is is inning thresholds and those are two guys that have shown that that they can really hit you know 160 170 you know if we're lucky we get 180 out of Strowman. you know not not as many strikeouts as other pitchers right but kind of but kind of crafty uh ground ball guy and um I can't. I can't. I. I'm now. I'm getting this mixed up in my head. I can't remember what the Cubs' defense is like now. So that, that that's a little worrisome to me that I can't remember. I don't, I don't know completely. that we know is, <laughs> yeah. is actually yeah. the answer. <laughs> yeah, but but that's that's uh that's kind of a baseline I use for a lot of my leagues. Um, getting big big innings guys right, and then doing my best with high impact, low whip strikeout guys uh, on the back end of my roster, and mm-hmm. kind of churning those guys in and out. And, uh, I've had, I've had relative success with that. So, I mean, those guys, I mean, Molly, Molly's exciting uh, it, to me, he's exciting, you know, stuff plus innings, you know, not a great park, but, you know, has, has shown to just be an excellent picture in my mind. Stroman's a little bit, in my mind, he's a little bit more boring. Um, not a strikeout guy, but, um, uh, finds creative ways to get out, to get out. I guess is probably the probably the yeah.
1: way. it's not I would, I would a Met anymore. It. That's and He's not a Met that's anymore. That's huge right yeah. there, right? I don't hate it. I don't hate that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I feel like I often end up in this weird place where I talk about, you know, like things like baseball savant. I will not say that they are the problem here cuz I actually don't think they are in this case. Uh and how they kind of have melted our conception of who who's good and who isn't uh by making us look at a couple of like really big numbers and not like thinking about how they actually play out. And I think that when you talk about Stroman's strikeout rate, mm-hmm. it's worth kind of pivoting that fantasy wise to think about how like that can like mislead us. Uh, yeah, Six innings of uh, Marcus Stroman versus five innings of someone else uh, will not uh, make that gap or will make that gap in strikeout rate that he and insert your hypothetical less boring person here like play out differently if if we're talking about him striking out 20 percent of the batters he faces faces 25 percent more batters that balances out right um yeah and i think it's really easy to lose sight of that this also makes me think about a really ridiculous thing that i saw on twitter this morning which is that someone was like in a nfbc league of some sort where someone had to like drafted uh hosker you know as their sp1 and basically like two or three starters and they're like what's the bare minimum number of starters I can roll out in this actual Roto league. Can I wow. pop starting pitcher? And uh, I definitely was thinking about how you'd have to have gotten someone like Stroman to make that possible. I like, oh, yeah. I tweeted out like uh, I'd done some scratch work to figure out like, how many innings you would need three starters to average in order to make that work or what your starter <laughs> reliever mix would need to be. If it's 180 versus 60, cause you're getting two start weeks. It is really funny to think about like volume that way. Cause I never think about volume. Actually. I just think about the per game production. Cause I just always assume I can go find volume again, but that's a better way. I think when you point out, like they're going to pitch a lot when they pitch uh, rather and you like and they're going to do that a lot also like that yeah. stacks up a whole lot so i have no stra i have no shares of Strowman, and i never do because he's just not my guy but like when you have Strowman and you have molly what's the opposite guy that you're filling into the back end of your roster so like, give me a, a hypothetical name there
2: uh like the loisagas the chad greens mm, okay. Okay, okay. um you know, I've been kind of on you know other pods as well, and and this one I'll admit it could easily back for I me. Mean, we're kind of on the Pierce Johnson is good. Uh, <laughs> hey, like I think so. right now, um, like high like high strikeout, high leverage relief guys. Uh, you know, those are those are the guys I fill fill the back half in if I'm if I'm in a roto league, right? Like the twelve strikeouts per nine. Right? You know, twelve strike. Yeah, exactly. Right. You can just you could you know I could have. Uh, I drafted I think pierce I, johnson in tgfbi and and i didn't drop him because like i think i, I have five of
3: him essentially in tgfbi nice, TG FBI. nice. Like,
2: okay so i like yeah. i've got a you know
3: i've got to at least for the a, first I've week and change uh yeah starters aren't gonna be reliable yeah. no one's gonna be oh, pitching yeah. at a full load we don't know who's gonna have all these different roles mm-hmm. it it doesn't have to be colin McHugh but I want Colin McHugh uh, to kind of like steal a bit from uh, Adam Howe and Kevin Hastings. Uh, I think they're spot on with like McHugh's not going to close there, but like, I definitely want every opportunity I can for people who I trust stuff wise, who I think could vulture a safe. Uh, I don't even think McHugh will vulture a safe, but like Pierce Johnson, absolutely. I want my rosters. Oh yeah. like What else is going to like, like how much can they hurt you? how much can they help you? I, I think that's just a good strategy, but like, I want to ask then, um, if you're playing a lot of like dynasty ish leagues. How many leagues are you playing where people like them can be of big use to you versus like TGF guy? We're working. About, we're worried about that sort of stuff. Like, are you going out and fishing up as many Pierce Johnsons as you can? in some of these, uh, dynasty leagues as well. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. I have him on three or four teams. Uh, mostly actually mostly dynasty uh cuz I'm also in some saves plus holds leagues where he mm-hmm. you know his yeah. value is propped up because of that cuz he's going to get 30 plus you know almost almost guaranteed I would say in a saves plus holds league in a saves saves it's a little bit more murky cuz Robert Suarez is there uh and they have they have other guys that can say, you know like, Lamette could be a closer who who knows right you know <laughs> right um I can only hope that you know, I've Suarez on a couple teams too. I I can only hope that Bob Melvin can like pick a guy, and I've heard that he he likes to pick a guy and, and stick with him. So mm-hmm. I think I think Johnson has the stuff to 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 do that. You know, to be a thirty saves guy. But if not, and he stays healthy, he's a thirty holds guy. So I have him. You know, I've been. It, uh, this is extremely speculative. I've been all off season been speculating on Pierce Johnson, just kind of holding him on the back end. And if it in the first couple of weeks, if it doesn't work, if he's, you know, if he's walking guys all of a sudden, or if he's, you know, he just has a couple holes and his role changes because who, who knows the landscape, like who knows what pitching is going to be like this year. Uh, if, if it changes, um, then, yeah, I mean, mo- most most drafts you're in, Pierce Johnson is not drafted in, and I'm the only bozo who's drafting Pierce Johnson. So, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you don't feel that
1: bad about it. Uh, a couple points about this strategy. Uh, number one, getting innings and volume matters. It just does. We've all accepted it on the offensive side that we want to maximize uh, plate appearances, right? Innings matter because, to Alex's point, uh, the more innings there are, the more batters you're going to face, the more opportunities you have to do things. Your rates don't necessarily have to be as good as somebody who's pitching 140 innings to actually net more of those counting stats. Um, and getting somebody later who's got that volume is, is really impactful and, and super helpful. Um, on the other side, even if those guys are your, your save plus hold kind of uh, guy is there. If you don't have uh, holds, you can still sneak some wins from those guys. Oh yeah, uh, because they're they're being used in non-save situations. Um, and uh, to go back to Strowman, uh, somebody like that is more likely to be getting you quality starts. Um, you know, you you really though I think the quality start is going to be. It was kind of the solution to win stink. Um, and now there's not enough pitchers throwing 6 innings on the regular to be able to use that as a replacement stat so um it, you know i actually have a league that's a win or quality start mm-hmm. so you i like get, that you get one that's cool. um you don't get two if the, if it's both a win and a quality start you you get one um, uh, but you get the chance to get either so I like you know that. a guy who has a tremendous outing and goes 5 innings you're not bummed <laughs> cuz you're in a quality starts league sure um or a guy that goes out and, and gives up four, uh, four runs in six innings, but you know, his team wins, you still get the win. You know, it, it, I think it's, it, it's a balance there. It's a nice, nice way of doing it. But if you're not in those leagues and you need the quality starts, cause that's where your particular league went, uh, as a way to get away from wins, all the, all the more reason to make sure you're getting those guys who are going to average the number of innings it takes to get a quality start. So, um, uh, Anyway, just just a, a little. Those are the ideas bouncing around in my head as as the both of you were, were talking there. Um, let's talk a little bit about Tristan. Uh, somebody help me with the way I, I should know, right? I'm the Red Sox fan. Is it Casas? I've heard it so many different ways. I'll believe you. It's
3: Casas. It believe, right. Don't believe yeah. me. I
1: think I think it is, but I've heard it uh, multiple ways. But this is interesting because of a lot of reasons. So the dynasty element, obviously, he's younger um but this is also like is there opportunity um what is his upside what's his floor all of that so talk to me a little bit about him
3: um i want to talk actually about uh, a scouting report i heard from him a while ago before we talk about the more recent stuff Uh, because he's actually one of my favorite players to like cite as an example without actually citing him as an example uh trevor huth (laughs) uh, a person that i did not make fun of earlier in this podcast uh made a it very almost smart seems up. like he slipped you a 10 to
1: say his name as many times as possible on this pod
3: uh we have this is by the way our third uh prospects live plug essentially in this podcast uh, yeah. indirectly it's <laughs> like theres are our scouts uh <laughs> kidding uh huth obviously friend of the pod friend of all people who uh you know like good content um is actually good at identifying people who are good and one of the things i liked uh about his early analysis of cost is he brought up this really important thing that he does, which is like more than a lot of other people, he is really effective in his um, two-strike approach. His uh, ability to choke up and not lose results while changing the way he hits has been kind of a calling card of his success in the past couple of years. And I always like to bring that up whenever I want to say, people make choices. Two strikes aren't the same as otherwise. You know, things matter like that, etc., etc. Like you can choose to be the hitter you are. And when you just hack at it for all three strikes available to you, um, I'll, uh, you know, Heston Kira to a degree, bad things can happen. Uh, while also making you look really good things like. Barrel rate. Uh, you say Heston Kira, by the way. <laughs> fr- I think you did. It's okay. I'm gonna ignore that because yeah, uh, we're just gonna move right along. Yep, we okay. are. Uh, uh,
1: <laughs> so
3: I'm really excited about <laughs> like his alter ego, <laughs> the one that can actually hit in the major league level. <laughs> Heston Kira, please, yes. please break yeah. out this year, then. Uh, yeah, so I'm really excited about him as like that sort of thing, especially as a foil potentially to Dahlbeck, who's not that sort of hitter. So uh, if uh, I think that was one of the, like the real eye-opening. Oh, this is the difference between a 40-grade guy with a bunch of raw power and someone who can be a really exciting difference-maker. We'll see if it all comes together. We'll see if it all holds. But I'm really intrigued by the things that I, I am hearing about uh, about him from people who do scouting. Me too. David, what's your take? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I,
2: I don't have much to add to that. Uh, aside from the fact that... Um... I actually, like I was talking. I don't have a lot of those high end, highly scouted, highly touted prospects on my teams. I have Casas in a couple places, and I can't think of. I, I honestly can't think of anybody I would trade him away for. Uh, mm-hmm. He's like I actually think he could be he could be you know above average or or an elite major league player. I think he's very he's just got approach wise, like you mentioned, he's it's advanced. So he's it's going to be very exciting when he comes up. I actually, when he comes up, he's going to be somebody that I go that I run that I run to the waiver wire and and pick up. And I don't I don't always do that with guys that are that are called up, but he's going to be one of them.
1: Hmm. Well, that's exciting news for me as a Sox fan. They could certainly use somebody like that. Yeah, Um, I
3: believe in his year one potential, definitely more so than some other guys, uh, as a result of some of the things I've seen and heard.
1: See that now that brings us full circle, right? So when we're talking at the top about people like Julio Rodriguez and Spencer Torkelson, um, even Kelnick and Kirillov, who came up and, and didn't light the world on fire and didn't meet expectations and still very well could have really successful major league careers. It sounds to me that like the difference is the approach and the, the ability to, to kind of, um, adapt to the situation is giving you more confidence in, in casas being able to come up and succeed and where they failed am i hearing that right
3: yeah i I think that um making good choices is very difficult um there were a lot of guys i think in the past few years we've seen like do a thing that gets a big number but doesn't necessarily mean they're doing the right thing uh you know kevin biggio's walk rate coming with definitely a big strikeout rate at the same time pick your number to paint the picture you want is definitely part of the experience there i i think that you have to learn from those sorts of things so casus being like a making good choices uh not just like you know it's hard to measure those things people like to try to do things like here's how often he swings in and out of the zone by that number he has to be really good no it's like here is a the numbers are going to be wrong a little bit because you can't just average everything together for him i'm really curious uh to see how well he performs also selfishly very curious to see what things like hard hit rate look like for him where it's just like it doesn't paint the full picture because he's not always that one same person so yeah yeah, i'm I'm really uh, i'm really interested in him as a case study and as a person to potentially roster
1: Sounds good. Well, that is going to bring us to the end of this episode of Dugout Study Hall. Taylor, thank you so much for, for jumping on. Once again, I apologize that it took us so long to connect, uh, but well worth it, um, at least on my side. I don't know if it was worth it for, for you to wait this long to come on <laughs> Guys, our pod, but for yeah. us, it was worth the wait to have you come on. Nothing um, to apologize If you could just remind, uh, remind everybody where they can find you and the, you know, the Twitter handles for all the different things that you got going on.
2: Yeah. I'm on Twitter at T cases loaded. Uh, I am hosting at Dynasty's child and at join the Rinks TDG and, uh, yeah, nothing to apologize for, man. I I'm super <laughs> happy to be here. It's nice to see a cat in the background there. Uh, uh, Alex, uh, our, uh, yeah, no, this is, this was great. I really, I really appreciate it. Timing is, is whatever. T- it, scheduling is impossible right now. So, um, yeah, yeah it's all good and we got to get you i'll get you guys on the pod as well that'll be our next uh, order of business if you're if you're interested you guys do any rankings
3: i don't necessarily like doing it because it it's stressful but i love talking about all them. right then you're so, perfect uh, no, that's perfect because then you can come <laughs> on
2: and just like see ours and challenge all of our stuff on there that's
1: perfect <laughs> yeah i don't i don't do them uh i looked at trying to just do like a redraft ranking at the beginning of the season. I just ran out of time to try and dig into, to, to the process and everything. Um, so I don't, I don't have ranks either. And, and I'm better suited for asking questions about, uh, why, why this is that. So I'm happy to play that role as well. Okay. Um, it's, it, it, it is absolutely fascinating to me because I, I think it's such a hard thing to do and a lot of people do it. Um and then talk about how they did it and it's it's different. Everybody's kind of got their own thing and their own way of doing it and it's all valuable, even though it it oftentimes leads to com- completely different conclusions. I don't. Yeah. I, I find it absolutely fascinating. So, um, it's a they're always fun discussions to have. So I totally. definitely love to 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 uh, be a part of that as well, Alexander. Everybody
3: knows where they could find Taylor. If you could remind them where they could find us, well, they can find you on Twitter at the corked mat i'm on twitter at chase underscore rate and most importantly you can find our podcast on twitter at dugout study hall where you can send us some questions please be sure to subscribe to the pitchless podcast feed if you haven't done that already leave us a good review if you can be so kind and if you're not already please consider becoming a pl plus member so that you can harass us on the pl discord and that's it for me
1: All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.